Well, that's a that's a really good bourbon. You like that? I do. That, that's uh, it, it, every time I've uh, hung out with you guys, I get hooked on really good bourbon, and and uh, it's expensive. That's right. This isn't the first time we've sat down together. Welcome to another trip down the Bourbon Road with your hosts Jim and Randy. So grab a glass of your favorite bourbon and kick back. would like to thank Tommy and Gwen Mitchell from Loggerheads Home Center for supporting this episode of The Bourbon Road. Find out more about their fine rustic furniture at logheadshomecenter.com. Randy, barbecue and bourbon, what goes better together? I don't, you know, I don't know, actually. Yeah, uh, so today was a great day. We had a we had an opportunity to sit down with uh, Noah Glanville, president of Pit Barrel Cooker Company, uh, also a good friend, yeah, and a bourbon fan. Yes, oh, and and I, I love his way. You know, when he talks about how he acclimates people to actual bourbon, yeah, that, that, you know, that's kind of something to listen for. In, in this particular episode, so I he's think. out. There, he's out there recruiting new bourbon lovers. He is, and and I love the way he does it. Well, him and Amber took this idea, an idea in their head, and now they're international. Is that not the American dream right there? It is. It is. So uh, great day, great interview, great guy, wonderful company. I really look forward to sitting down and and drinking with him again in the future. That was a lot of fun. Well, and he's also promised us that we're going to actually have... Some meat cooked on one of those pit barrel barbecues. I'm looking forward and to I'm it. I'm looking forward to that too. We're going to hold him to, to that, Jim. All right. Well, let's get on to the interview, Randy. All right. Sounds good. All right. Hello, Randy. How you doing today? I'm good. I'm good. You ready for this? Oh, this I'm is going to be fun. I'm ready. We're at uh, the Pit Barrel Cooker Company today with Noah Glanville. How are you doing, Noah? I'm doing great. It's good to have you guys here. This is kind of a busy time of season for you, isn't it? Just a little bit. There's there's a lot going on. So, I mean, with Derby, does that affect kind of how busy you guys get? Or is it, you're just so global, it doesn't really, like local events like Derby doesn't play a big part, does it? It it doesn't, but we, uh, it doesn't, it doesn't. We we try to do a lot of business with local companies. and in whoever we're, we're doing business with locally, I mean, the, the, it's a big deal here. So it, it's a little harder coming closer to in, into Derby Week to to get people, but it's for a good cause. Yeah. Well, uh, it's, it gets harder to get down to downtown this time of year anyway, for sure. Absolutely. <laughs> okay. So we'd like, to, we'd like to start off the show with uh, what we call First Pour. And, uh, you know, it's, it's a bourbon show. But, uh, you know, it's, it's mostly about our guest, uh, but bourbon is the underlying theme. So we're going to drink bourbon today. Is that okay with you? That works. This is a, this is a change of pace. Yeah. So I'll, I'll take it. You're going to be able to go back to work after this? I don't know. Probably. I ho- hopefully won't make too many big decisions. Just stay off the forklift. <laughs> That's right. All right. Well, first pour today, guys, is, uh, is, a, uh, is a new bottle from Campari. It's called uh, WB Saffle. Um, Campari has a, a, a group of bottles called uh, the Baron series, Baron, Baron's collection, and uh, WB Saffle is uh, one one of the most recent releases from that. Two of the other releases are um, Old Rippy and uh, and Bonded Lillard. I don't know if you guys have had those before. 
No, no, I've heard the name Saffle, but I'm not sure how and why. You might want to fill us in on that, Jim. Well, I can read as good as anybody. So <laughs> uh, William Butler Saffle uh, began distilling as a teenager. So he was a teenage distiller back in the 1800s. And in 1889, he built a 350-barrel distillery in Lawrenceburg. And uh, his, his juice became quite popular in the time. So a very successful distiller. And... Uh, but this particular bottle here uh, is a combination of six, eight, 10, and 12-year-old barrels. So it's got some old juice in there. It's got some, well, six is not young, you know, but nevertheless, it is 107 proof. It's uh, non-chill filtered. So uh, let's go ahead and take a minute and, and nose this one, and, and we'll take a sip. Cheers. Cheers. Oh, yeah. Typ typical caramel and vanilla on the front end. There. Oh, yeah, Definitely. You know, I get a little bit more of a kind of a, a sweeter, darker kind of sweetness on that. So what spice What spice am I smelling in this? I want to say cinnamon, but that's so common. It almost makes me think that maybe that's not right, but maybe something a little stronger than cinnamon. It's sweet. Yeah, it's it's <laughs> definitely sweet. There's Yeah, this is a, you know, this has got a, a little bit of that wild turkey nose to it and it should it oh, should Lawrenceburg right right no it's nice cheers, cheers. I'm a big, yeah. big fan of a little bit of heat yeah it, it, it's got that so you had a Russell's Reserve before I have I have so they've got some single barrel picks that'll just knock your socks off really good stuff this reminds me of uh, of a really good Russell's single barrel pick. Actually, I think it's a little bit better than your average Russell's single barrel pick. This is good stuff. That's great. Yeah, this is actually about um, this is about a fifty dollar bottle, and it's a half bottle. It's a three seventy five, so it's expensive. Um, I bought this at um, Justin's House of Bourbon in Lexington. Have you been there? I've not. Oh yeah, interesting place <laughs> to go to. We'll, we'll, we'll try to get them on the show at some yeah, point. That'd yeah. be fun. Yeah, they've got the, quite a collection of old dusty bottles in there. Huh. That cost a whole lot. I bet they do. <laughs> yeah. Well, that's a that's a really good bourbon. You like that? I do. That, that's uh, it, it, Every time I've uh, hung out with you guys, I get hooked on really good bourbon, and, and uh, it's expensive. That's right. <laughs> this isn't the first time we've sat down together. So uh, where'd you grow up, Noah? I would say Murphy's, California. Okay. From the age of 10. So I was born in the Bay Area in California. At the age of 10, we moved up to uh, to Murphy's. And it was that was a, just a life-changing, wonderful experience getting out of the city, uh, growing up in the foothills. Um, it kind of what's called as a gold country. And, you know, the, the, the little Napa, as some people have called it, uh, really is blown up in the wine. And when we, when we moved up there, there was maybe one vineyard, one or two vineyards. And, um, and now on Main Street, there's probably 20 some little little places you can go and, and taste wine. It's, it's a really neat area. And, uh, yeah, it, great times would go out and had a little 22 and shoot everything that moved practically. <laughs> <laughs> so um, it, now I'm not real familiar with that area. So where's that closest to? Uh, basically, if you drew a line from uh, San Francisco mm -hmm. directly east about two and a half hours, that, that's where it's at. So about an oh, hour, depending on how, how fast you drive, from uh, east of Stockton. Okay. So, All right. yep. Yeah. Well, 
So just curious, how did you end up in Kentucky from, from California? Witness protection program. No, um, the, you have to shoot me because yeah. <laughs> <laughs> no, you know it, it, we get that question a lot, and and a lot of people. Uh, Kentucky's such a great place. I mean, I, I don't know if I should be spoiling the secret. Obviously, a lot of people come here during Derby, but um, you know we. I'm sure we'll go into kind of career and path and, and, uh, but after I got out of the military, I went into contracting and security contract work and, and was just ready to explore and, and see if there was something else out there. And California is a wonderful state. I mean, geographically where it is, you can, you can ski and you can, you can surf, surf almost the same day. day. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it's, it's got the mountains, it's got hunting and fishing and, and it's got a lot of other things too, that, that, uh, you know, it's just a lot of people. And, um, and so we just want to live. Yeah. I I believe you get, you get one crack at it. So, so live as much as you can and, and experience as much as you can. And, and so moving to Colorado and then we started our business there and, you know, we were, we had, had grown dramatically and it was time to outsource and we sourced the product. And when we did that, we found ourselves in a situation where we could really live anywhere. And so for several months, I flew all over the country looking at different places, could have basically moved anywhere. And within, within a couple months or well, actually, excuse me, within a couple of weeks, we had, I had two people that I highly respect said, you know, if I could go anywhere, I'd go to Louisville, Kentucky. And I thought, I haven't thought about Louisville, Kentucky or Kentucky for that matter, since I learned about it on the map in, in school, they really don't mention anything about Kentucky, you know, out, outside in the media, really. Yeah, it's and, a kind of low uh, profile, isn't it? It, it is yeah. low profile. And um, and so within a couple of days, flew out, took a look around and said, this is it. This is, you know, live in prospect. I consider it a a little sophisticated Mayberry Southern hospitality with some sense and is just a wonderful place. It is, uh, schools are great. Uh, the people are great. And, it, you know, Louisville has been a great place to, to grow our business and, and make home. So you like that Southern culture? <clears throat> I do. Yeah. I, I, I do that. That it's a, it's a good fit for us and our personality. Yeah. So people are good all over the world. Don't get me wrong, but there's just something about, you know, Southern hospitality and Southern, uh, culture. And that's a lot of what this show is about. You know, the bourbon culture, the bourbon road is is a journey. It's not necessarily a physical road and, and whatnot, but uh, it'd be kind of interesting to find out uh, what the bourbon culture means to you. Since we're here trying some bourbon, you're in the state of Kentucky now. You know, what does the bourbon culture mean to you? Sure. So when when we first moved here, um, well, I'll back up. I was I was part of this double gun club that I was by far probably by 40 years younger than than everybody else and had a couple of German short haired pointers would guide. In fact, guiding kept kept our business going for a while uh, in the early stages. And the older gentlemen would always smoke cigars and, and have scotch after. And I would <laughs> and, and I don't know if it was just horrible scotch that they were pouring or cheap, but it was it was awful. (laughs) And so, you know, that was, and whiskey, just drinking straight whiskey that really wasn't on the radar unless, you know, I mean, being younger, you're going to go out and make some bad decisions, but, um, you know, moving here and having a family and getting into, into the bourbon scene, there was people that said, Oh, I just, I just love the taste of bourbon straight. You know, I must've been born that way. And, and I was, I was open to it. It, it, 
didn't know anything about it. And it's amazing how fast and, and drinking it. And, and, and I would, I would even do the, um, and, and I love to do this now is whenever someone comes to our home and we have, we have a, a pretty decent bourbon collection, not, not quite extensive as yours, Jim, but, but, uh, it, uh, it, it's, it's got all the big names and the big hitters and, you know, it's nice to be able to grow on the pit barrel and, and not have to, uh, travel all over the place. And you kind of, you can have a taste of it all right there, which you guys have to come over. Um, but people would say, oh, I don't, I don't, I don't like whiskey and, 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 you know, I'm not into bourbon and it's, you know, and, and if, if you gave them even say Woodford or something pretty basic, but good quality, um, Sometimes they say, oh, my gosh, no, I can't you know, t- turn their nose to it right away. And so I'd give them something like that and not even a bourbon that's hot, but then go to like the Angel's Envy finished rye. Mm-hmm. And that's a, a really fun thing to do because they've already been their socks have been blown off on the first one or at least they think they have. And then you give them a little bit of that Angel's Envy finished rye, which, you know, technically, I guess, isn't 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 bourbon. Right. But but uh, maybe it is. But but it's in any Yeah. So they uh, they try that. And all of a sudden the lights go on and it's this is sweet. This is this is really good. But if you had poured them that finished rye in the first pour, you would have had a similar experience, you know, that, that, that you'd have, uh, you know, with the first pour. So it, that I've turned more people on to, on a bourbon just with that one maneuver. And before you know it, they're, they're connoisseurs and that kind of happened for me. And, and then, you know, getting invited to, to different things and exposed to, it, it's, it's a whole different world. It's like discovering country music, you know, for the first time or, or something that you, uh, you know, wine and, or anything like that. And, and so before you know it, you, you, uh, you start to like better bourbon and have a taste for it. And it's been a lot of fun. So you had not had bourbon before you came to Kentucky. That's, that's fair to say. Okay. What was the first bourbon you ever tried? Probably makers. Really? Okay. I'd I'd say makers. Um, yeah. And that's, you know, makers and Coke or something like that, you know, pretty common and, and, and didn't, didn't, it, it was it was neat to have a whole new appreciation. And to, I mean, anytime you can be introduced to something new and then have a newfound appreciation for something, I mean, that's isn't that living? That's yeah. what it's about. Yeah, absolutely, yeah. experiences. There you go. Yeah, yeah. So you, I didn't realize this, but you're quite the bourbon evangelist. So I mean, you're out there converting people every day. Huh? <laughs> I, I don't know if it's every day. I, I don't know if we have that big a problem, but. Uh, <laughs> So you talked a little bit about your childhood in California and, uh, and I, I, we're going to get into, you know, you joining the service, but can you talk a little bit about maybe the high school days, uh, the time, uh, as you started to approach adulthood, how did, you know, interactions with your family and then maybe work and things that influenced you and took you in that direction? Sure. I, you know, high school for me were what was some of the best years of my life. Um, I was big into sports, wrestled, played football. Um, you know, I, I, I'd, I'd like to think that I was the, uh, you know, I, I definitely wasn't a bully, but, but I would, uh, I would go after a bully. Um, you know, it, it was, it was kind of a protector in that sense of, you know, we fortunately at our school, the, the, I think the top dogs were, were athletes and, and, and good people that weren't gonna, weren't gonna let, bad things happen. I mean, we just had a really neat class yeah. and, and a good core group of, of friends that, I mean, I, 
a lot of people grew up since kindergarten together. Um, you know, we moved up there in fourth grade. So all the same people that, that we went to high school with, I think it graduated with a class of around 160 people. So as far as to give an idea of the size and, you know, sports were really important to me. Um, relationships, you know, school academically, I was not, I was never a good student, you know, and, and I, I, I think I was there to be in sports. I mean, there's no doubt. And, and it wasn't until I got into the Navy and realized, boy, I, I don't have a lot of very good study habits. Uh, you know, I struggled, but I stayed eligible. And, and now here I am, I, I better pass hospital core school or I'm going to be sent to the fleet scraping paint. So that was the first time that, that I ever really had to, had to apply myself. And then, and that was probably one of the best things I said it the other day to my wife, that probably one of the best things that came out of going to the Navy was it forced me to truly test myself. And it gave me a confidence coming out of core school, graduating second in the class. Um, when I was always having to talk the teacher into not giving me a D to get the C, um, yeah, that was, uh, but you, you learned, I learned a lot of negotiation and, uh, and, and, and learning who not to, uh, piss off. <laughs> so, so, I mean, it was a game changer for you, I guess it was. Yeah. Yep. So what, what led you to that decision to go down to the recruiter's office and sign on the line? You know, I, I, I chased a girl down to the Bay area. Um, and you know, I, I thought I wanted to play football, um, you know, college just wasn't, wasn't for me. And, and, you know, I, I, but I, I could always see the value and it just, it wasn't, it wasn't, I didn't have the tools to, to, to really succeed there. And, and I thought, you know, I'll, I'll take the ASVAB and, and I'll never forget taking that. And, and, and they came back to me and they said, okay, here, here's your scores and you can, um, you can do everything except for the nuke program. And I literally turned around both ways and said, you sure you're talking to me? You know, <laughs> one, making sure they were actually talking to me. And did you get the name right on that score? And, and they said, Oh, this, this is your score. So, uh, I thought, well, that's, that's a good start. And then, um, I thought, well, I'll, I'll, I'll do something that in the event I get out, um, it's, it, tra it transfers over. And so I chose a medical field to go into as a corpsman. That seemed like, you know, that, you know, going into combat and, and, uh, it being called out while, while the, while the firefight's going on and, uh, hoping not to get shot that somehow seemed like a, like a good idea. Um, and so, and then came a reality, but, uh, yeah. So, but yeah, it w went down that path. Um, you know, went, went to work at, uh, at J crew. That was my, what I even had businesses before clearing, clearing brush and, uh, mobile auto detail with my twin brother, you know, growing up. So I always had different little businesses and ways of, of making money. And I was pretty entrepreneurial, um, you know, going, but going out into the real world, as much as I could say that I wound up uh, living with my grandparents for a little while. They lived back in the Bay area, went to work for J crew, um, the clothing company in San Francisco. That was an experience. Um, so what did you do for them? sales, just a, a sales associate on the floor. Okay. And, um, and, and that's, and I knew I could sell just about anything. And I was, I was, there was one guy that was, that was always on, always up there on top and we kind of battled back and forth, but, but I was high up, got, um, recruited over from, from a, a general manager at Nordstrom's, 
uh, back back over in on in the East Bay and went to work there. But you know, knew that was going through uh, junior college, and then just decided that uh, that I wanted something different and wanted to have the journey begin. And so went down to a recruiter, started that process. My grandfather was adamant about you need you need to be you need to go through college, um, become an officer. That's key. He was a um, my hero. Um, you know, he was B twenty nine, flew on a B twenty nine. He was an engineer on a B twenty nine during World War Two. Wow. Was wore yeah. the distinguished flying cross, and um, you know was was a madman, entrepreneur, go getter. Nothing. I mean, not much got in his way, and if it did, it wasn't there for long. Definitely one of your role models. Yeah. 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 So how many years did you serve? I was in for six years. And uh, can you, do you mind talking about your, your deployment and uh, the, the time you spent on your first tour overseas? Sure, sure. So my first deployment actually was in uh, 1999 over to East Timor uh, when East and West Timor were splitting up. So what started out as a, as a, an exciting, you know, what, what, I guess what people would call maybe a Westpac tour turned into going over to Okinawa for seven months and staying there. And I was on Camp Hansen and, um, that, that, that's, that's an interesting place too. But, uh, you know, unless you've been there to Okinawa and, and you've served over there, you just, anyone that, that has been there and you say, that's an interesting place. I mean, everyone kind of knows what, 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 what you're talking about, but it's a small Island. Um, you know, if you love diving, it's, it's a great place. But, um, in fact, I think w- w- one of Jacques Cousteau's favorite places to dive was, was, was on the Karam Islands. Really? Um, wow. Yeah. So now are you, are you a diver? I do dive. Yeah. Yep. Uh, only for lobster now. Okay. But, uh, yeah. <laughs> Patty, SSI. Yeah. Yeah. Patty. Patty. Okay. So, and, and heck, I, I don't even know where my card is. I, I've, I've, I, I, somehow <laughs> I've had to show that. My, my wife's website. Patty. I'm SSI. It doesn't yeah. matter. As yeah. Long I'm as Patty. Put, so put the stuff on and go, you know? Right. Right. Um, but yeah, so that, that deployment, we were there and then, um, the Timor conflict kicked off and we were basically, we served as a, as a quick reaction force off of the USS Bellawood to support, uh, the Australian army. So, you know, and that was my first experience thinking, boy, um, I mean, we really, we were locked and loaded on that flight deck, young, you know, 20 year old and the, uh, the first few days it was so hot and we're baking on, on that deck, you know, and just getting ready to spin up the birds if, if, if they need us and then go in and the, the plan would be to rappel down and, and, uh, support. And, um, and so after the first few days, you know, I was hot and, and, you know, but thinking and worried, thinking, you know, this might be it. This isn't, I didn't expect things to, to go this fast. And, uh, you know, out of boot camp through core school, through field medical service school and, and Camp Pendleton to, to go with the Marine Corps and then and then basically got sent to first battalion, fifth Marines and and sent over. So uh, but I can say after about the first week is sitting on that deck, you know, everyone was you were you were ready to to get the call and go somewhere because you were so pissed off. Um, you know, so maybe that's that's all part of it. They, you know, they, they keep poking you and making you miserable. So you actually look forward to going into battle. Hurry yeah. up and wait. That's right. <laughs> Hurry up and wait. And you did multiple tours. Um, so I, I went over to, so later on, um, got put back, went back with, with first battalion, fifth Marines mm-hmm. and, and what, 2003, um, was sent over and sat in, sat in Kuwait until we, until we crossed. 
and um, I was over there for about six months. And what was yeah. it like uh, when you stepped back on U.S. soil? Um, you know, a lot, a lot of emotions, of course, but a lot of numbness. Yeah. Um, you know, really wondering. You know, I'll say I was prior. You know, going over there, I, I was I was talking with with uh, um, with with a fellow corpsman and. You know, we we're talking about it, it just so naive. You think about it and, you know, we, and we we're saying, you know, no matter what we're and, and we're pretty close. And we said, well, no matter what, we'll make a deal with each other. We're, we're not going to we're, we're going to do what we need to do over here and we're not going to change. We're not going to allow whatever is going to happen to us, you know, to change us. And and very naive thinking, um, you know, went, went over and uh, um, and then when, when we came back, it was definitely a very. You know, I was, I was married and um, to my first wife and, uh, you know, got back and everybody picks up right where where they left off. You know, as far as their normal everyday day life, nothing's really changed for them. Of course, you're the people that you're very close with look forward to having you back. And and there's banners and welcome home. And and I remember marching in. It was late at night and, and getting back and seeing everybody. Um, you know, but at that time I knew things had changed and, um, you know, food didn't taste very good. Really? Um, yeah. Why, why? I wonder, you know, I, 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 I think your body and your mind, you know, when you're in a, when you're in a really high stress environment and I mean, if you think about it, you know, back in the day, not that it was any easier for world war two guys or, you know, and, and, and that's, you know, I think where things really started to change. You know, you'd have a lot of time to decompress on a ship coming back and and floating back over. You know, if you were a ground pounder and infantry, um, you know, on the way back, you know, you've, you'd have you'd have a month to to kind of decompress and, and get your mind around it. You know, these days and in, in, in Vietnam, you could be in the, in the thick of of the worst hell, and hours later, be expected to be what what you were before, and so you know, that, and that's just not reality. Um, you know, and, and it was interesting, you know, my, I, I feel like my grandfather was probably the only one that knew, but he wasn't, he wasn't a big talker, you know, in that sense, but, you know, probably knew that, you know, and, and I remember looking at pictures, um, on his wall of other, uh, B-29s in the squadron that were literally getting shot down and people that he knew and it not never really registered to me. It just, it looks like a picture, just like on the news when you see, you know, I remember seeing nine 11 and, and it felt like so many people thought that was just so surreal and like, it's a movie that you're watching. And I've always been able to kind of connect those things as, and, and you know, that was, that was really horrible to see. And for a lot of people, um, but, uh, but, but I, I was able to connect with that and, and, and look at those pictures and um, didn't talk a whole lot with my grandfather about it and didn't know, didn't really have an idea of what, what I was getting into. So adjusting for you was not difficult. Well, it was difficult. How would you describe that? So I I think like a lot of people, um, well, I I think there's two kinds of people. There's people that, that know there's a problem and then avoid it and get really busy. Right. Right. And, and that was the route I took was I, I, I stayed really busy. And I mean, it's not that I'd be afraid of, of having a conversation. I mean, I'll, I'll talk about anything. Um, it was the most logical 
and reasonable thing and not ask for help or act like something's wrong is just get busy, start a business, you know, go to work for, for a company and, and work your tail off and, and, and make good things happen. And the way you make good things happen is you either go to work for, you start a business, you go to work for, for another company and you do really good things and you, you, and people don't want you to leave and, and that's all fine. Um, and that was a route I took. And then I think there's other folks that, and this is the worst case, I think that don't get busy and don't talk about anything and bad things happen. Yeah. And, and play, so play video <clears throat> games for 20 hours a day. Yeah. I mean, it, or, and, and, and they're still trying to, you, you still have to find an escape, but if you're not dealing with it and I always say, you got to, you got to reach out to somebody, you got to find someone you can trust to talk with regardless of whether or not they have been through what you've gone through. Cause reality is most people haven't gone through those things. And, and some people have, but, but you can't always connect with those people. So to say, well, I'm not going to talk with anyone unless they actually have gone through it and know what I'm talking about that. I, I think a big piece of, of talking with someone is really hearing yourself talk through things. Yeah. And, and so with any problem and um, so, you know, having that, but when, you know, I mean, you, the suicide rate of veterans is through the roof. Um, it's a really sad thing. The, um, you know, so for me, I got really busy, but it wasn't until, uh, you know, I went to work for a corporation, uh, trailer leasing company, worked up quickly as an ops manager. Um, you know, anything I had set my mind to, you know, I would, th there was just a standard. You, you, be good at what you do. Right. If you're sweeping, sweeping the floor, be good at it. I mean, may, maybe that's where you don't want to be too good. Otherwise you're never going to do anything else, but sweep the floor. But, um, you know, you be, be good at what you do. And it wasn't until, and, and th things hadn't worked out, um, with, with my marriage. And it was like the, here's kind of escaping. And so went to work for, um, at the time it was Blackwater and did, uh, security contract work overseas, kind of applied the skills that, that I had from the military um, and, you know, I was, I shot competitively in, in, in the Navy and then, um, and then that combined with having, uh, you know, combat medical training, you know, that, that, that's a value, especially in a small unit, um, you know, working at a forward observe base somewhere. And so I, I did that and I knew all the while that felt more comfortable to me because I was you know, really working around professionals, small, close knit group. You could, you could trust them with your life. They got your, they've got your back. That's basically. right. Yeah. yeah. As opposed to working in the corporate world where they want to stab you in the back. Well, <laughs> in some cases. And so, you know, or what people consider problems, you know, and the whole time it's like, you know, geez, these aren't problems. You know, we could, we could talk about, you know, bad days, but, um, you know, and that, that, those are things that really help, uh, I think veterans become entrepreneurs and, you know, because they, and if they, if the veterans only realized what they have and how close being an entrepreneur and running your own business and the similarities and how to apply those. And we, we, we try, and I try to talk with vets about those things at, at every opportunity and kind of get that out in um, in podcasts or, or in interviews and, or any story. So, um, those are, those are always important things. Well, we certainly appreciate you sharing that with us and we definitely appreciate your service. Thank you very much. You bet. Yes. Thank you. Always, always thank the veterans and, and our first responders, the, the, to me, the very unappreciated people. That's right. 
Now, uh, I'm going to switch gears here a little bit. Um, we'll start driving towards the you know, Pit Barrel Cooker Company and how that came about. But so you and Amber, you guys are business partners and uh, in this business. And and how do you how do you balance the uh, the the work and the family time uh, in, in such a growing company like this? That's a great question. The I, I guess the answer is there. I don't know if there is a balance or there or or, or, or there isn't. The we just we're a great team. We make it happen. Um, you know, our it, it is a it is a truly. When people say family business, this is truly a family business where our boys are down here. Our boys went to went to the Bronco games and, and, you know, we're on Amber's back, um, you know, passing out flyers and food samples. So since the very beginning, you know, pushing around pallets, you know, Easton was, was on my lap and, and, you know, working, you know, working the, you know, the, the, the forklift and, you know, going up and down unloading trailers in the, in the Eastern plains of Colorado. So they've seen every minute, every step. And with Amber, um, we're a really good balance with, what we take care of and what we don't, you know, I'm not, I'm not a huge social media, um, you know, never. And that was part of probably part of my background with, um, contract work. That was, that was something that was a bit frowned upon to, to, you know, as, as having to have a security clearance and doing that kind of work. And then, you know, you, it's like snapping well, selfies. Yeah. It was like, what, what, are, what are you really going to talk about? Um, Cause you can't talk about anything you're doing right? <laughs> yeah. so, um, or take any pictures. So I didn't have anything like that. And, but Amber handles, you know, a, a lot of the marketing we work, we were just work really well together. And some people say, well, geez, I wouldn't want to, well, I, you know, we, we'd kill each other if we worked together and I wouldn't have it any other way. She's a, a, a wonderful wife, mother, partner, and, um, you know, she, the, the best thing too, is she knows what I'm going through. I know what she's going through. I know what she's dealing with vice versa. If I'm, if I'm gone or I have to stay late or I have to deal with something, it's, it's understood versus not knowing. And that's something that's, I think, really hard for couples and that you've got a common goal and you're trying to reach it. Um, you know, so. Yeah, I think this is a good time as any for us to go ahead and, uh, and close out the first pour first session and, uh, take a short break. And then when we get back, no, I think you've got a bourbon for us, so uh, we'll get into that uh, first thing. So, all right, so let's uh, let's take a break, guys, and we'll be back shortly. like to thank Tommy and Gwen Mitchell from Logheads Home Center for supporting this episode of the Bourbon Road. Logheads Home Center, nestled in the hills of Kentucky, is an industry leader in building handcrafted rustic furniture. Family owned and operated, they take pride in offering only the very best for their customers. The Logheads, and that's what they like to call themselves, are skilled woodcrafters who are passionate about creating rustic furniture for people who appreciate the beauty of natural wood. Owners Tommy and Gwen don't just sell the rustic lifestyle, they live it. And you can be sure that Logheads Furniture will always be handcrafted in Kentucky by artisans who embrace the simple way of life. Logheads Rustic Furniture is made from northern white cedar, a sustainable wood that's naturally rot and termite resistant. Its beauty and quality will add warmth to your earthy lifestyle for generations to come. Be sure to check out everything they have to offer at logheadshomecenter.com. And while you're at it, 
give Tommy and Gwen a shout on Facebook or Instagram at Logheads Home Center. Street with Noah Glanville, president of Pit Barrel Cooker Company. Wow, way down here in Louisville, Kentucky. So, Mr. Noah, why don't you uh, take us on a trip down the Bourbon Road here and, and introduce our second pour for us? So, I thought it'd be appropriate, um, being that we're we're in the barbecue industry. Um, we've got the Booker's Backyard Barbecue today. I thought that would be appropriate. Um, I'm, I'm more into kind of uncut, unfiltered hot bourbon. Um, this is 128 proof. Wow. So <laughs> it's, uh, we're, 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 we're going, we're climbing, we're climbing the hill. We're climbing the hill. So you're, sure. you're right in my territory. I, I love this area, but Randy, I don't know. You know, I, this is where I have to throw an ice cube or two in there sometimes, but <laughs> I'm good. I can, I can do this. I know I can. You're getting better. I'm getting better. Help me along the trail. Yeah. It's good stuff. Well, what are you smelling here, guys? What's the nose like? Oh, I like the nose on that, though. Well, you know, it's got the typical notes. I think we're definitely picking up, uh, you know, uh, caramel and vanilla, but a little bit more like brown sugar honey kind of. Yeah, what's on the back side of that, though? I'm smelling something else, like a it, sweet candy kind of thing. But it, it, Definitely sweet, and it's, it, it's so nice when it's, when it's as hot as it is and still sweet. Yeah. I think with Booker's, I always get a little bit of a uh, little bit of leather, dark fruit. It's, I know, I, does it, Nate, does it say the age on the bottle at all? I mean, it's always going to tell you the age of the youngest barrel. Uh, six years, two months, 10 days. Yeah. So that doesn't mean it doesn't have any older barrels in it. It just means that's the youngest barrel. But if that's 128, that's pretty daggone smooth for 128. Wow. Yeah, it's good I, stuff. I, I'm, I'm impressed. You know, you get your Kentucky hug in there, but it doesn't uh, do the anaconda on you there. <laughs> that's right. That's, that's an interesting way to put it. I don't know. Come now, do you, you, you get the kind of the peanut in it at all? Well, like, no, when I say peanut, I don't mean peanut butter. I don't mean, you know, peanuts like planters. What kind of peanut are you I'm, talking I'm about? I'm talking about like ballpark shelled peanuts kind of the way it smells roasted in the shell roasted in the shell like you know if you were to be at the ballpark and you're eating a a bag of shelled peanuts and you're shelling them that that kind of that well let me try this again because you know after that acclimation stage you know things taste a little different on that second time around so well it helps if you know what you're looking for yeah the power suggestion i don't think and i've said this before when somebody suggests a particular note they're picking up in the bourbon, I don't think you're going to pick it up if you're really not. I think it's just a matter of, yeah, that's what it is. Yeah. yeah right. I never I, thought yeah. about that. Yeah. I never yeah. thought about it. Yeah, yeah. that's it. Yeah. I never thought about it. Yeah. Now, Randy, you're Mr. Butterscotch. Do you get any? A little bit on this. It's still in, as powerful as some I've had, you know, as far as the butterscotch goes. But like I said, there was like a sweetness on the back end. And that could have been very well could have been that butterscotch, you know. So so for butterscotch, if, if you're a fan, what, what do you like as far as bourbon to hit that? I, well, I was telling Jim the other day, I was, I was at uh, Cedar Key in Florida. 
and and I, believe it or not, in this little place in Florida, <laughs> little bar off the dock had 50 kinds of bourbon. I'm saying, are you kidding me? And found out that the bartender was from Louisville, Kentucky or Kentucky here somewhere. And he said, have you ever had this? And he pulled out some Jefferson Reserve Ocean. So it was Voyage <laughs> 11. And he opened that Voyage 11 up. And from across, I mean, from across the room, I could smell butterscotch on that thing from across. And, and to me, duh, that has been, if you want to put butterscotch with a bourbon, it was Jefferson, the Jefferson Reserve Voyage 11. Voyage 11, interesting. Yeah, I, it just, I could smell that from across the room. And, and you know, I'm still developing my palate. So to, to get that that strong right off the bat, just blew yeah, my and he, mind. he was telling in me Cedar Key, Florida. Well, he was telling <laughs> Granny was telling me the other day that uh, his nose is not as great as it ought to be. But, but I'm telling you what, when you can pick up butterscotch from down well, the bar, this is this time of year. You know how it is with the pollen, you know. And and I'm from Georgia, so the pollen on would be yellow on cars. It turned cars yellow, right? And and <clears> I get up here to the Ohio River Valley, and they're going, "Hey, welcome to Kentucky." And it didn't really hit me the first couple of years, but your body chemistry changes every seven years, they say. Whew, this year has had, been rough had, for me. How many seven-year changes have you had? Uh, no, let's not go there, shall we not? Uh, <laughs> we're not going down that road. But um, anyway, something something changed, and this year has really affected. I, I can't smell like I, you know. I'm sure I'll get past it as the pollen yeah. and, and things happen. But Well, man. the good news is you, you, no one's asking you to be a bird dog. You just need to drink bourbon. There you go. <laughs> I like that. Hounds in the hay. <laughs> well, no, this was a great choice. You know, Booker's is always a good pour, and this is really good. Um, I think they do, what do they do, four a year? I think they do four releases a year. And mm. um, what's the number on that bottle? It should have like a, a year and a, and a number after the year. Uh, 2018, two. Oh, two. So second, yeah. second release of 18. So they would have had two more. After that, in eighteen, for the eighteen, and I do believe the first bottle of two thousand nineteen is out on the shelves now. Oh wow! So I haven't had it yet. I haven't had it yet. For for the price, it, it's always a solid, solid choice. Yeah, they've always I mean, got it on the shelf, in, uh they always got it on the shelf at Costco. I don't mm -hmm. know if you shop Costco or not, but um, I, I, I absolutely and, and cheaper do. than you'll yeah. get it down at your local liquor store usually. So, well, I'll tell you what. Speaking of Costco. Costco's uh, not only for the bourbon, but but for meat. For I mean, that's, oh yeah, yeah. yeah. You can't beat the the beef and their prices and the quality. Yeah, I, I I probably should be working for them, but yeah, it's uh, I, I say it all the time. It's it's true value, and and and, and we want to always bring bring our customers good stuff, and and so we'll we'll always say, hey, go. I mean, one packer brisket is pays for the Costco membership. Well, wow. I, I basically joke with my wife when we're in there and, and when we get separated, I was like, have you seen my wife? She's loose in here with a credit card. <laughs> <laughs> that, that, that can that, be dangerous. And, and, you know, we needed, hey, babe, go up there to the front and get another cart. We need another cart. And I'm going, are you kidding me? It's like a $300 cover charge to get out of Costco, right. you know? Yeah. Came in for toilet paper and you have yeah, two plasma screen right. TVs. Yeah, <laughs> just because they want sale. That's right. Well, yeah. you had to buy it. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> All right, guys, let's get okay. focused oh, here. Focus, right. focus. <laughs> so, Noah, why don't you tell us a little bit about how um, the pit barrel cooker company came to be? How it started. So, I would say the best way that to describe how pit barrel came to fruition was. Um, 
I always enjoyed good food, just like most of us. Um, had, had taken a trip when I was in eighth grade to the San Francisco Culinary Academy. Was really impressed with um, what I saw there and thought, this that's it. That's the path I want to go down. Um, you know, several people later on after contracting and saving up some money out after the military had said, that's probably about the worst idea you could come up with. And they were probably right. Um, but I, I still was determined to have something, some kind of involvement with, with food, the experience, and you could basically put anything in my hands and, uh, you know, whether it was a hibachi or just some kind of a grill and I could, I could make a good experience, but I wanted that for everybody. And so taking the guesswork out, started looking at what, where's the most consistent environment. So, you know, anyone that knows will tell you cooking in a drum is one of the most consistent environments, you know, to cook in. So, you know, why, why do they, why do they say that? Well, to, to, to yield really good cooked food um, or, or protein, you need time consistency and temperature. Ah, so, time consistency. you know, so the, the drum in a vertical environment really yields to that. And then to take, to take it a step further, it's like, well, how do we, how do we figure out how to make this easy for everybody and the vent control? Uh, you know, I thought if we could create something that works at, sea level all the way up to 12,000 feet or so and no vents to adjust on top one vent to to adjust on bottom per your elevation a coal basket that's predetermined fill it up once light it wait 12 minutes hang the meat close the lid walk away and it's that easy um and so i thought if we could create something that is truly set it and forget it um that everybody has one of the best food experiences that they've ever had you know much less cook for themselves we've got something. So we went forward with a utilities patent, um, which we will go to the mat for. Um, but, uh, you know, there's, it, we, we've definitely got the attention in, in the industry and, um, and, and I mean, and, and, and that's a big deal to us because there's, there's companies that have been out a long time that have, that have, uh, worked hard and, and grown a lot. I mean, 60 plus years. Um, and, you know, to, to, to be nine years in and have the market penetration that we have is I think unheard of. Well, but surely this didn't work the first time around. Didn't you, didn't you try this some, you know, I guess what they call it a prototype or something. Sure. How many, so, so, how many some, prototypes? Have some you R and D. Yeah. Yeah. Research yeah. and development. 29 prototypes 29. to be exact. And, and actually, I mean, that, that, that's how many units that, that I actually used, but in, different configurations for the vent control. So, so anyone that's familiar with a pit barrel, if you slightly offset the lid just a little bit, completely changes how it functions. Um, and you know, so the, the, the configuration, the, the vents, the intake, um, you know, the fuel source, the, the rods that go through, I mean, none of that happened by mistake. And it was testing going to sea level, going to 5,000 feet and so on at, at every mark. Um, to test that and, and get it right. So it was a lot of testing and I'll never forget, you know, going uh, elk hunting one time. And, and I thought that, you know, a, a, a two inch diameter hole at the bottom for an intake was, was perfect. I had tested it at sea level. All was good. Was up, you know, elk hunting 12,000, 13,000 feet and 
could not get that thing to cook. And that was all. And I'm telling everybody, you guys wait till you taste this food. This is going to be unbelievable. You're all going to love it. I'll handle all the cooking. I'll bring the food. I'll bring the cooker. And even there was a question like, what you know, what are you bringing us? And then what, what, what are we actually cooking on? Because I mean, elk hunting is a big deal. And, you know, we, we plan to eat really well and, you know, don't put all that on it. No, no, guys, trust me, I got it. And I bring this thing up there and cannot keep the fire lit. And oh. so had to wind up shooting through the bottom of the drum several times <laughs> to get to get through. And I remember, you know, shooting and, and then coming back and actually measuring the holes uh, of a 300 wind mag times two oh, wow. uh, and, and saying, you know what? I, I think we're closer to a three inch diameter hole yeah. <laughs> as far as what we need. But, you know, we that's for the pit brawl cooker. We also have. Uh, um, so, I mean, talk about true, true uh, research and development there. But, um, you know, needless to say, we didn't we, we didn't uh, we, we didn't harvest an animal that uh, that trip, but we ate really good. Yeah. So. So these 29 prototypes, so you've, you've kept them somewhere for the for the museum, the Pit Barrel Museum, right? Well, so that would be, Jim, that would be a nice a nice story for a, <laughs> a for a huge company that that uh, that. You know, I mean, had you known and had we had the money, I mean, we, we literally, there was times where we, you know, in, in, in year one, uh, we had to start a catering company, uh, sandblast the units to, to provide a substrate that the powder coating would stick to, which later we porcelain coated. But, you know, we, we, we did things to, to just, to just keep going. And, um, so where did it start? Did it start here in Kentucky or you started this somewhere it started else? started in Colorado. Ago? Colorado. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Great place for big game though, you know? Oh yeah. No, Colorado is a beautiful state. A lot, a lot of people, a lot of people, the, the, uh, and no one can argue the fact that there's uh boy, the, the, the traffic is, is horrendous. So, you know, I, I guess, you know, it's not easy to start a business from scratch, not even a little bit. How did you convince Amber to go all in? Because, you know, <laughs> women, they have a tendency to, to, to dictate a little bit about what happens with us, you know, they do? And, and to, to convince your, your better half to go all in. This is what you need to do. You know, uh, how did, how did you, how did you do that? Or was well, she there all along? You know, that that's, she, she's always been there all along. She's, she's a, we, we both support each other. I mean, and you know, we look at other marriages and, and I mean, she, she can do whatever she wants. Um, I, I, you know, and, and I think it's like, it's, you know, big boy, big girl rules. We know what our responsibilities are. I could, I could leave tomorrow and go on a fishing trip or go somewhere, but that's probably, you know, we've kind of got a goal in mind. So, um, you know, she's, I think, wanting me home more. I mean, I was contracting. So that was also a plan to start a business. Now, obviously, you know, where the rubber really met the road was when we had met with with an attorney, uh, intellectual property attorney. And she said, well, here's what you're looking at for, for a utilities patent. And utilities patents for a good one can be really expensive. They're not cheap. No. Uh-uh. And it could take a long time to get. And so, you know, if, if I'm going to start something, I want to finish it. So I want to know how, well, how long is it if we, you know, you go through the appeal process and, and, um, and get into that, what are we ultimately looking at? And that was when we turned, because that was, that was about a quarter of the nest egg that we had saved oh, to wow. even start a business at the time. And I'll never forget looking over and saying, is this something that, that you want to do? And, and 
without any hesitation, looked over, looked me in the eye and said, yep, I trust you. And so, you know, but she, you know, I trust you, meaning it's, it's, if this goes bad, this is all your fault. You know, type, no, it, she, we all know that all of us guys know that's underlying, but yes, yeah. Right. Right. No. Um, and you know, I, I think there was times on, on both ends. I mean, our, I'm not, I won't sugarcoat it. It, it was a really hard, you know, the times and, and, and saving up money and deploying overseas um, and the sacrifices made to to be able to start the company also makes you fight that much harder to protect what you have and um you know and, and i think that you know the things that our company has i mean we we have a face to the to the to the brand um we have a good story and it's i mean i i think the american dream is 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 usually a pretty good story so what's been the most difficult part so far I think when you're you're self-taught for the most part, I mean, coming coming off the battlefield, going into contract work, um, you know, short stint in 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 the corporate world, um, and getting into it. I mean, you finding people that you can trust is 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 tough, and I mean, sometimes you find ones that you don't. It takes you on some detours, mm, but yeah. uh, you know, our team is phenomenal. I mean, we have a really small but powerful team. We couldn't do it by, on our own. I mean, yeah. it's, it's, uh, we're, Amber and I started the business and, but it's, we've grown and scaled to where, uh, you, you've got to have a good team to, to continue to grow. So just, uh, just how successful has the pit barrel company become? I mean, how big are you guys? Well, it's the greatest outdoor cooking device in the world, period. We ship to several different places in the world. Um, uh, you know, have obviously great market penetration here in, in North America and, you know, ship, you know, it, our model has been, you know, thus far to ship direct to consumer and we're, we're in more of a kind of a pivot to, to not compete with a retailer and set up more in the brick and mortar, uh, smaller mom and pop stores who are actually boots on the ground. that can actually talk about the product and, and be successful that way. Yeah, and this facility you have here is—it's uh, quite impressive. It's a—it's—it's it's extremely large, very big operation you have here. But what kind of plans do you have for the place to, you know, uh, improve uh, on the on the facility and the land that you have here? Well, so fortunately, I mean, good, good problems to have, but still problems at the end of the day. Every every place we've ever bought or moved into, we've we've really almost outgrown it within six months. Wow. And so oh, man, it, it's uh, so we said we're, we're going to we're going to try and at least have a couple of years here and and then look at maybe a facility on the West Coast. So that, uh, you know, this is our this is our one facility that we ship um, everything domestically and and then also some back overseas. It's not not the most efficient way, but sometimes it makes the most sense for. Uh, quality and making sure that that certain products are on there and and having a consolidate consolidation is any anyone that's in logistics knows that that's that's a pain point but um, um, that's something that that we're wanting to take in house and get really good at and and just have that control which you know any decision that that I make uh, or our team makes that's that's a big one that's kind of monumental and in the direction we go as a business, 
you know, if, if you, and I, I would say this is good advice for any, any entrepreneur or any business or CEO to say, before you make a decision, is it the best thing for the consumer? And if you circle back around to that, um, because it's, it shouldn't always be short-sighted in the sense of, well, what's best for the margin right now? Is it, if it's not best for the, you know, it, it, it needs to make dollars and cents, but if it, if it's not best for the consumer in the end, it probably isn't the best long-term term play. You won't get that reciprocal income. Yeah. I, no, and, yeah. and you see companies do it all the time where, yeah. where if you ask yourself, is this best for the business or best for the consumer? Right. And, and we see that, we see that a lot in this industry. And, and, and when you see that, it's just, it's more low hanging fruit that that's only going to be right for you to pick. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I want to tell you how right you are. I have some, some figures here. You guys are going to blow your mind. <clears throat> When I when I read this stuff, I was just looking up on barbecue stuff. I said, "Well, let me let me just see what what I bring up." So a Nielsen report on Market Watch said the two weeks prior to Fourth of July, you know, a lot of people do a lot of barbecue on Independence Day. Here's here's the figures of what we Americans spend for meat, just for meat and barbecue before Fourth of July, two weeks prior. 800 million on beef. Wow. 371 million on chicken. 218 million on pork, 85 on shrimp, 48 on salmon and 38.8 on just barbecue sauce alone 2 weeks before <laughs> in that 2 week period to 4th of July. So I think you're on the right track. <laughs> That's a lot of killing. That is Man, can you imagine? Uh, you know, because barbecue, you know, and then you're poor today with the with the barbecue. I said, oh, wow, he's on the right track for sure. So what do you think have been some of your keys to success? I mean, with, with barbecue. Well, you know, and, and that's interesting. Just to, just to, Randy, to go back to, to the, that last number, um, you know, if you look at the numbers are even more staggering, obviously, prior to Thanksgiving. And, really? And you think it's it's even more? I mean, because people think summer barbecue. Well, obviously, you know. yeah. They're I mean, they're killing a lot, a lot more turkeys. You know, prior to <laughs> prior to Thanksgiving. But so, yeah. but you know, prime rib, tenderloin, uh, Christmas, and even oh, yeah. more turkeys. So as far as how much meat is bought, um, and one of the unique things about our cooker and our product, which kind of differentiates itself from other brands, is you know, you've got that big peak up to 4th of July and then, you know, things, things start to settle down a little bit. You, you know, the, 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 the cookers that are, um, better for tailgating are, are still in play. And then you've got tailgate, you know, through, through, you know, yeah, through the winter months. And then, and then all of a sudden after Super Bowl things, you know, things usually that that's a bit of a dip. So if you're going to take a vacation, you're going to go somewhere or you're not trying to rebuild or do a new website or something, which we're always growing. So that's, that's not convenient. Uh, that would be the time you would, you would maybe take a break, but our cooker is solid just about year round. Um, the best Thanksgiving Turkey you'll ever have comes out of this thing. Uh, prime rib, if that's what you cook for, for the holidays is, Bar none, there's nothing better. Well, do and, you use do you use that hook and hang method for the turkey? Or absolutely, that, really. Yep, yep. Comes so with the turkey. Tell us hanger. about this hook and hang. You know, I know your boat's named that, but I'm let's make the transition over to the actual sure. cooker here and tell us about that hook and hang method. So, I mean, besides 
you know, time, consistency, and temperature cooking in, in an environment that is very conducive to really good, good protein, but even vegetables are, are amazing out of there. Um, the, the hanging it's, you think of it kind of as a stationary rotisserie. Um, you know, so that lends the question, do you, does food need to sit on the grill to get cooked or does it need to cook in the environment? And the pit barrel answers that question every time it needs to cook in the environment. Um, you know, as, as we say in our explainer video, grill night, you know, grill marks are, are real nice for, for looks, but for taste and tenderness, grill marks aren't, aren't, aren't lending to taste and tenderness. Right. Um, you know, so it, it, it works that that's the magic plus the, um, you know, the juices, the meat hanging directly over the coals and the juices dripping down, causing that amazing smoke fog to come back up into the meat, um, is really where it's at. For sure. So do you, do you suggest certain types of wood for like the smoke flavor or do you guys not necessarily do that? It's more charcoal. Um, you can add wood chips. Okay. You know, wood chips or chunks. I mean, we will say if you're, if you're hell bent and determined to, to put some, some chips on, sure. <laughs> you can do that, but really let, let the meat be the hero. Yeah. Let, let the, the drippings fall down on the meat. I mean, that's really the way, I mean, it's the way that gotcha. the cavemen did it, you know, I mean, and, and, and it's, it's so simple. Um, you know, you can, I typically, I mean, nowadays I'll, I'll use, I started out when, when I, when I didn't know any better using, using briquettes and, you know, nowadays I use pretty much lump on, on everything. You can still use briquettes, you know, hardwood briquettes are great. Um, so what was that palette of, of briquettes I saw? I mean, it wasn't briquettes. It was what, what you use. Is that what you suggest? That devil's whatever, what was that? Yeah. Yeah. That, so we have a palette out there right now. It's, um, happens to be a palette of uh, jealous devil. Jealous and that's, devil. that's a great, uh, that's a great brand. I mean, they're very clean. And I think the best way to describe it, um, in short order is, you know, you've got, you've got a lot of different charcoal brands and, and they're, they're popping up. Um, it, that's getting more and more popular, but a lot of them are, are private labeled to the same, the same spot. So you're, you're getting basically the same, you know, wherever that wood is sourced from, you're getting, getting a lot of the same stuff. And, you know, so what, what I'm looking for, someone said, well, okay, what do you think is good, a good fuel source and, and hardwood lump? Um, if that's what you like, you know, I'm looking for things that are, you know, not bark in there, just, you know, the, the real, the real hardwood, um, you know, certainly not, pieces of rubber or nails or, or something that might've come <laughs> right. from a construction site that, you know, that, that's in there that, that I don't, it, it, that's not what I want to be cooking with. Um, you know, so I want stuff that's, you know, real hardwood, um, good stuff. Um, well, I've got one more curious question and this, this is just for me and then I'm gonna let Jim ask a few, but I noticed out there on the, uh, the pit barrel cooker junior, and I, I, maybe it's on all of them. Horseshoe. What's with the horseshoe for the handle? Yeah, yeah. So that's kind of been a staple of ours. Um, we've done, we put put horseshoes. So there's horseshoes on the junior and the pit barrel. Um, they're they're identical except one's one's uh, larger and one's smaller. Well, but why why the horseshoe in, instead of say wood or anything else? I, I, right, that right. Just, you know, um, you, you know, I wanted something that was that was different than obviously putting a garage door handle on, uh, on, right. on, on, on the cooker. And then, you know, a lot of the basic, you know, stuff where there's a rod and, and then, you know, wire, uh, you know, polished wire wrapped around it to, to, 
to protect from heat. Um, I just want a character to it. And, you know, it may look like a simple, simple drum, but, um, you know, having that, having, having that horseshoe on there, I think really gives it character and changes the look. Um, and just has a much different feel. Well, well, it's, it's the bomb and being from, you know, shipped out of here in Kentucky right now. So, you know, I, I would say that's ap- 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 apropos. <laughs> so you've got, uh, you've got a tremendous website. I mean, I know you say it's under construction you got a new one coming out, but the one you have now is really good. And you've got a lot of great videos on there. Um, of all those videos, what do you think is your most uh, well-received recipe? I mean, I guess I could look at strictly numbers mm-hmm. and say what, what videos most viewed. Um, probably ribs, you know, is, is, uh, ribs is really popular and, and ribs are probably, ribs are not always easy to cook Mm -hmm. for people. You know, is it, is it my favorite thing? You know, I can tell you, Max, my, my six-year-old, he loves ribs and he loves rack of lamb. And if you cook rack of lamb, you better hide some of it from them because you any? you're not getting any yeah, yeah absolutely <laughs> not you, what, what, the only thing that'll be left is some bones sitting there i mean he is he's he's like a commercial saw that that, that goes through it he just just munches right through him but if there was something that was most impressive and it was probably ribs because again it's not the easiest to cook but when people cook on on the pit barrel and they see, you I mean, you could do. You don't have to cook eight, eight to ten racks of ribs, but you can, and that's for the wow, footprint that much. it takes up. Yeah. You know, to be able to cook eight eight to ten racks of ribs on a cooker that's two hundred ninety nine dollars, um, and they're far and away the best ribs you've ever had. Um, I mean, nothing even a close second. That's that's where it's at. That's where our brand is, and um, you know, so that's pretty impressive. You know, it'll do a brisket in six hours. Uh, pork shoulder, you know, five to six hours. Um, but you've got videos for virtually every type of meat uh, out there. You know, I mean, I, I, we have a, enough videos to be dangerous. Yeah. Um, you know, we've hit, I think, just about every staple to give. I mean, if you if you can do all those, which just about anybody can, um, now it's the sky's the limit. Now, yeah. now you're now you're doing your own recipes, but you've got the hang of it, and you can. You know, start doing cheese nachos and, and, you know, so we, we, we talked about that actually last night and, you know, the, the, the amazing flavor and the smoke that goes into the cheese and the chili. And, and I was like, oh my gosh, we, we, we need to do a video on that. But, um, you know, and it's just, now it's just, it's having fun yeah. and, and letting, letting people create different things. But the website itself actually gives you a good base to go from as far as cooking different kinds of meats and different kind of recipes. That, that's been our goal is is to keep it really simple. You know, we're we're not a company that that tries to be everything, but we want to be really good at what we do, and yeah. and providing great products at a, at a at a very reasonable price, more than reasonable price. Um, you know, as we've grown, I think we've shown our commitment to that by not gouging for accessories, still keeping things as um, at a reasonable price and um, and keeping things simple to where anyone could watch. I mean, they're three to four minute videos that you know, we're not there's not a bunch of shenanigans. It's me doing things straightforward. So, you know, I'm not I'm not true talent. And, and, and you know, I've, I've got to, I've, I've got to st- stick to the script and. And um, make sure we get the point across of what we're trying to do. But we, the goal is we want everyone at the end of the video to be able to say, I can 100% execute that. And I might not have ever cooked before, but 
by golly, I can, I can do that. Yeah. And that's where it shipped to your door, pulling it out of the box and less than 20 minutes later, you're cooking again, some of the best food you've ever had, much less cooked yourself. You can do that. And simply watching the video, it's easy. So flash forward five years, what's the pit barrel cooker company look like? I think that we are, um, I think we've made a lot of people happy. Yeah. And, and, and we brought a lot of people together and there's been a lot more great food and great memories and good times. Um, and that's, that's what I think it's about. I mean, that's the, all. It may seem like it seem as if I'm skirting around the question, but no, but, not at all. You know, I, I see a tremendous amount of market penetration. So going to the business end of things. Um, but, but at the end of the day, it's, I think we're gonna do a lot of good. And that's, that's the focus is if we can, if we can make a living and do a lot of good, that's what it's about. You, you never know how long life's going to be and life can be pretty short and you got to enjoy it while you have your health. Um, and you know, it, and I'm thankful every day that my boys get to see their mom and dad work really hard with the team that we have. They come here, they they have their dirt bikes, they ride around the parking lot, they they've got the remote control cars, um, a lot of products coming in, so their their space is going to get squeezed. But um, but it's 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 really neat to be able to see um, the boys grow up and see how hard their parents work, and I, I think that's what it's about. Yeah, but, our, but, our, but our kids, they're busy and they they pay they play very little video games. I'm telling you, we've uh, we've had a great time here with you today. You've uh, you've got a great outlook on life. You looks like you've got a great company. It's really dedicated and uh, and uh, you have a. I tell you what, you guys are really um, giving a life life lesson to your children. I, I think you know they're watching you guys do something that's really uh, meaningful and fulfilling. And, uh, you know, they'll grow up and they'll know exactly what they need to do when their time comes. So pretty awesome. Yeah. And what, and what are those juniors going for nowadays? Uh, they'll be available in a few months and they'll be 249. 249. And then the actual big boys go for? 299. 299. Yep. Wow. You're almost better off just going for the big guy, huh? You know, well, a lot of people say that. I mean, it's really two different tools. Wow. And, and, and I okay. think, I think you know, uh, how many you're cooking for well, what Randy, you're cooking. Yeah, Randy, I think you're going to want to have both. Oh, geez. Listen to him now. <laughs> As we close out here, Noah, any words of advice for young entrepreneurs, you know, trying to start their own business? I mean, what if you had to give two or three sentences to them to let them know the direction they should go, what would those be? Being lazy is not going to get you there. Stop watching TV. Um, and it's going to take a hell of a lot of work. Don't take no for an answer. Don't take anything at face value. Hold on. I'm still writing. Go ahead. Yeah. <laughs> Randy's still learning. I'm still learning. Go you, ahead. you guys, you guys have, have, have given me so much, uh, so, so much bourbon here. Um, but yeah, I mean, I think taking nothing at face value and don't take no for an answer. Um, words of advice. And I always like to say this, if, if you're a veteran, especially someone new that, that, that's gotten out and you haven't quite found your path. And you're looking for the answer. You're looking for whatever career path you're going to take. And, and nothing really seems to make sense with, with what direction there's doors aren't, aren't opening that make any sense for you. Um, you know, take a hard look at solving a problem or coming up with a solution and starting a business. Yeah. And, and because it's, you've already got the education. 
and and the the tools to to be really successful. So get busy and and uh, live the American dream. Yeah, that's great advice. That's great yeah, advice. It is. So if uh, if our listeners want to uh, find you out there on social media on the web, um, how do they get in touch with you? Uh, pitbarrelcooker.com. Okay. Um, and you go to our website. There's, uh, if you're, uh, you know, looking to pick up the product or learn more about it, there's, um, you know, there's a dealer locator, you put in your zip code, the closest place that'll pop up that, that will carry the product, um, is there. Um, and obviously all, all the handles, you know, Twitter, Facebook, Instagram are all there as well. Pitbarrelcooker. Yeah. Yep. Okay. Yep, absolutely. Great. We we really appreciate your time today. It was a pleasure to come down here to uh, to Louisville and and visit with you. Um, thank you for your service. Yeah, appreciate all that. It was a great time here, and um, you issued an invitation to us earlier in the show, and I, I want to accept that right now. So when next time you're having a, a shindig, we're going to come. Randy and I will be here. You, you got it. Look forward to it. Thank you, Noah. We really appreciate your time. Thank you so much. We're going to yep. close the show Randy, now. Jim, and, thank uh, you. And uh, we'll be drinking together. All right. We do appreciate all of our listeners, and we'd like to thank you for taking time out of your day to hang out with us here on the Bourbon Road. We hope you enjoyed today's show, and if so, we would appreciate if you'd subscribe and rate us a five-star with a review on iTunes. Make sure you follow us on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram at The Bourbon Road. That way you'll be kept in the loop on all the Bourbon Road happenings. You can also visit our website at thebourbonroad.com to read our blog, listen to the show, or reach out to us directly. We always welcome comments or suggestions, and if you have an idea for a particular guest or topic, be sure to let us know. And again, thanks for hanging out with us.